Isn't it fantastic when we see these young guys? And I'm an oldie. Young guys. Young guys yeah. Just coming on and preaching the word. Isn't it brilliant? Absolutely encouraging. I just pray that you all hang on to every single word that comes from him this evening. Because God's speaking through him. We prayed for him out there in the little prayer room. And we prayed that he speaks the word of God tonight to you. So every word that comes from Nathan is straight from God's throne. Worth hanging on to, isn't it? All right, Nathan. Bless you. Just pray for him, Lord. Give him boldness. Let him feel just the pleasure of God pouring through him as he speaks your word. Let it be easy. Let it be enjoyable. And just teach us something this evening through Nathan. In your name. Amen. Cool. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. I'm just going to sort this out. Sorry, I should have done this earlier, shouldn't I? Is everybody all right? Yeah, nice. It was good worship, wasn't it? find it okay don't worry doesn't matter everything will be all right okay did that clicker work oh it's all right you'll have to work for you for the evening isaac won't you so um great so this is what we're going to talk about tonight grace because it's grace and empowerment month and um the two kind of go together so um, it's good. So we're going to look a bit at Romans, and we're going to look at a couple of things from Romans, and then we're going to have a few thoughts from me about grace, and then we're going to experience grace all together, uh, like we are right now, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to walk in grace, and it's going to be awesome. Sounds like a plan. So, why don't you go to Romans, and... Uh, <clears throat> I tell you what, as I've been reading Romans, I never used to get on with Paul in the Bible. I used to, which I realise takes out a lot of the New Testament. <laughs> but um, I always used to find him a bit, uh, I don't know, a bit teachy, a bit like you know, give it a rest, Paul. We're not at school anymore, and um, like, and he's quite intense, writing all, you know, it's like an intense pen pal writing all these letters to people and things. And and as I was reading through, I, I suddenly had a, a moment of like, oh, I get you, Paul, now. Because what happens is you find that he starts, uh, he starts an opening of the letter, you know, here I am, blah, blah, blah. And kind of gradually as he goes through, there are kind of these, he kind of reaches peaks and then he starts again. So he, he starts in verse 1-1 one, one, and then by the, by the end of 8, he's, he's kind of absolutely preaching and he's saying, oh, what should we say about this? That nothing can separate us from the love of God and all of this kind of stuff. And he kind of builds it from this kind of, I was a slave to sin. And then he just kind of builds, 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 preaching, preaching, preaching. And he goes, okay, and I've got something else to tell. I've got to answer another question. Anyway, I just thought I'd tell you that. So, so we're going to go to seven. Um, and the first thing we need to note about Romans is the Romans were, uh, they loved rules, right? They were like rules people. They absolutely loved it. Can we click on to the next? Do you remember when Jesus said this? That if someone asks you to carry his gear for a mile, carry it too. Okay. Well, if, if you actually decided you were going to carry it beyond a mile, right, that wasn't allowed. They were only allowed to ask uh, a boy or a man or whoever. They said, can you carry this? And they had to do it, but they only had to do it for a mile. If 
they decide if they went over a mile and started carrying it the next mile, even if they said, no, don't worry, I'm happy to carry it for you, the Roman soldier would be the one who got punished. Ten lashes, right? Hardcore. Even if the Jewish person carrying it is like, don't worry, man, I got this, bro. Don't worry. He's the one who gets it, right? How do you fight oppression with generosity? Boom. <clears throat> so they love rules, and, and Paul is writing to a bunch of people who love rules, okay? And he begins to talk about grace in, well, kind of from the start, but particularly from kind of freedom from bondage to sin in five, six, and then we reach seven. And another thing I love about the Bible is that everyone in it is a human being, just like you and me. And so there are these amazing insights into human experience and what it is to actually live in the world that we live in right now. They're still, we're still struggling with exactly the same things that, we, that they were back then, right? So <clears throat> we're going to go to, we're going to read from 7th, and we, oh, that we're going to go from 12 to 20. Okay, so, but still the law itself is holy and its commandments are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law, which is good, cause my death? Of course not. Sin used what was good to bring about my condemnation to death so we can see how terrible sin really is. It uses God's good commands for its own evil purposes. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble, is, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Hit the next slide. And this is where he makes his <laughs> the moment, which I think we can all uh, agree with. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right. I can't. Next slide. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. What is the deal with that? <laughs> right? Why does that happen all the time? It happens all the time. Your best intentions and you kind of, right? And you just kind of get caught up in something. It's like, oh, I didn't really want to do that. I didn't want to say that in that situation. I came in thinking I'm going to be the man. I'm going to like sort this out. I'm going to be gracious and holy. And by the end of five minutes, you're like, oh no, this is wrong. really, really wrong. And I said the wrong thing to the, to the wrong person, right? So I don't know what that's about. Next slide. So does anyone, um, does anyone remember this? Does anyone remember this movie? Hey, who's seen it here? Put your hand up if you've seen it. Half of it, okay. So if you haven't seen it, the premise of the movie is this man, Morgan Spurlock, excellent American name, decides um, he's, they've noticed that the obesity crisis in America is, is going pretty crazy. And uh, so he decides he's going to make a, a movie about what happens if you eat McDonald's three times a day for a month. Okay? I mean, you can already see where this is going. Right? So he, he starts out, and he is in a, uh, he's very healthy. He's above average health. He goes to the gym all the time. Uh, his girlfriend is a vegan chef, so he eats one vegan meal a day in the evening. She does. Um, and so he gets checked out by all the physicians and things. And he goes through the movie, and 
He eats three McDonald's a day for a month. And if they ask, would you like to supersize that? He has to say yes. Okay? And they don't do supersize anymore because it's grotesque. But <clears throat> he has to do it. And so through the movie, you just see <laughs> this man kind of deteriorate before your eyes. I mean, he just, uh, just the amount of food that a supersized McDonald's meal had in it would be like, we just couldn't keep it down. So um, anyway, he, he comes to the end of the movie and he has put on 11 kilos in a month. Okay, his blood pressure has skyrocketed. He's beginning to get fatty deposits on his liver. Okay, from a month. Now I realise we don't eat McDonald's three times a day for a month because that's just not good. And me and Jen were sitting there and we are watching this movie, and we are watching the deterioration of a of a healthy American male, and watching what has happened to him. And we sit there, and the credits roll. And we look across to one another. And we know what the other one is thinking. I could really go for a burger right now. <laughs> right? And I realize that's a ridiculous example. But it happens all the time. I don't know why. It's all there. All the information is there. Don't touch this. Don't do this. Don't get involved with this. Don't go into the restaurant. Don't smell it. Don't do anything because it's bad. And at the end of it, we're like, oh, man, we've got to go out and get burgers, man, from McDonald's. Right? Or, or like when someone comes to you, <laughs> someone comes to you in a restaurant and they bring, you, they bring you a meal and they say, oh, don't touch that. The plate's really hot. And you think, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> ah, have you got any ice? Right? <laughs> what is the deal with it? Right? And trying to get people to read the Bible. Right, trying to get like teenagers or someone to read the Bible. I was terrible at reading the Bible when I was a teenager. And you say, and you list all the reasons that oh, it's good for you, and it will build you up, and it's the Word of God, and all of this stuff. And you're kind of like, oh man, yeah, but it's so boring. Maybe we should sell the Bible. Like, you shouldn't read the Bible because there's sex and violence and incest in there, right? And and there's this one story where a man stabs another man and the king's so fat that when he takes his hand away from the sword, the fat goes over the sword. And then there's this other story uh, about these angels that come to a man and stay in his house and the whole town turns up and says, oh, please let us rape these people. And he says, no, I won't let you rape those people, but why don't you take my daughters? It's in there. Read your Bible. It's all in there. And then there's another man who turns up about three quarters of the way through this teacher who claims to be the son of God. And he, he starts wandering around with this group of people, including, you know, and he hangs out with prostitutes and terrorists and corrupt government officials. And he turns water into wine and he feeds 5,000 people. And then he dies and then he rises and everyone in the world, their sin is forgiven. I really want to read that book. Sometimes I don't want to read the book that go, the way you go, oh man, it's really good for you. You know, it's going to build you up, and it's the word of God, and it will, and it does, right? And that's all right. But I'm just saying, what is it about those things that kind of attract us? It's almost like the law highlights something. It's really weird speaking with that behind me, but I don't have another slide after that will be relevant after this. Uh, it just kind of highlights the thing that you're not good enough. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind of raises the thing in front of your eyes. It constantly puts the thing you're not meant to do in front of your eyes. 
and you're constantly looking at it, and what you what you behold is what you become, right? Which is why the law is no good. <clears throat> okay, next slide. And so we have this problem, right? That this thing keeps coming up, and it's just a rule, and it ties you down, and that it has no power to transform. It can only control, okay? It doesn't get to the heart of something. It just controls the behavior of people or the thing that it is there for, okay? It just puts the box around and goes, this is it. And this is the only thing you're allowed to be involved in. And this, you know, that's it. You can't go anywhere else. Okay? So that's the, that's the problem. Now, we're going to go to Romans 8.28. Because that's a good verse. So that was the first thing that caught my, my attention. This kind of human experience of, I can't not do... Oh, hang on. I... Uh, what I w- is that right? <laughs> I, just, I got confused when I was reading it in the Bible when Paul's. I had to really sit down and work it out. Whatever he says in the Bible. What was it? I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Okay? Uh, so, and the second thing that stood out to me, uh, 8.28, and this is a good one. <clears throat> is it? Is there the next slide? Is that it? Ah, oh, nice. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That is grace, right there. That the whole thing is working together for you. The whole world is for you. Creation is for you because God is for you. You walk around in a world that wants you to succeed. Okay? You walk around in a world that wants you to succeed. So we're going to look at what that might look like, that he transforms things. Next slide. Okay. This is the story of Joseph. Okay, I mean in just the list form, the kind of the, the points that we need to hit. So his dad makes him a coat because he's his favorite son. And then he has dreams now. He makes an unwise choice because he says to his brothers, I'm going to rule over all of you. And I've grown up with, four, with three other brothers and you shouldn't say that because things are not going to go well for you. <laughs> so, but his brothers are jealous. And so they say, well, how are we going to get rid of him? I know we'll kill him. And then one of them says, well, hang on a minute. If we kill him, we're going to have to clean everything up afterwards. Right? Like Dexter. You've got to clean everything up and make sure no one can see what's happening. So they think, no, we won't do that. They see some traders. They say, we'll just sell him. And then we'll say, oh, he, went, he fell in a pit and he died. But, you know, you can't see him because the pit's so far down. And so they send him to these traders. And he ends up uh, in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar realizes there's something on this bloke. I like him. And so he begins to promote him. And in the end, he ends up kind of running his whole household so that it says all that Potiphar needed to worry about was what to eat. That's it. He had no worries because Joseph was there, right? And then the thing with Potiphar's wife happens and uh, she likes him and then blah, blah, blah. 
he doesn't like her. He's like, no, we can't do this because you're married. Uh, and so she dobs him in and says, he tried to rape me. And so Potiphar believes her. He goes to jail. He's in jail and he meets Pharaoh's cupbearer and a baker, I want to say. Um, <clears throat> and they have dreams and he interprets their dreams. And it's like, this guy's on fire. He knows what dreams are about. Dreams happen three times in this. And uh, as they're getting out, he says to the cupbearer, remember me. Oh, actually, they don't get out. I think the baker gets killed or something. <clears throat> and then the cupbearer gets out. He says, remember me when you see Pharaoh. And he, he forgets him for two years. He stays in jail, having been forgotten, having done such an amazing thing of interpreting his dream correctly and seeing what was going to happen. <clears throat> and then Pharaoh wakes up one day having had these dreams about cows and wheat and fat ones and thin ones and he says oh man I had these dreams I don't know what's going on the cupbearer overhears him and he says oh suddenly he remembers oh that guy that I've left in jail for two years rotting in jail he's really good at this kind of thing so they bring him out and he interprets the dreams <laughs> and, then, and then an amazing twist he interprets the dreams and Pharaoh goes, well, there's none as wise as you around, so you're going to be in charge of the whole lot. So he gets in charge of all of Egypt. I mean, I don't understand how that happens, but anyway, that's God, isn't it, right? He gets in charge of all of Egypt, and a famine hits, because he's been wise, he's stored it all up, and his brothers come to him because they need grain. They've, they've heard there's grain in Egypt, and the whole region is desperate for famine, and they're starving. So they come to him and say, we need food, and he deals harshly with them. But he gives them all the grain and gives them their money back, putting it on top of the sacks, and they take it back. And uh, he thinks they're spies. So they, when, he come, when they come back for more food, they have to bring their younger brother, Benjamin, who didn't go with them. Uh, and so they go back, and then they come back again to Egypt, and they say, uh, oh, look, here's Benjamin. We are right and stuff. And so he says, fine, gives them all the grain, puts all their money back on top, and he hides a silver cup in Benjamin's one. They're heading off. They get stopped by the... He sends the guards after them. They get stopped. They find the cup. They say, you stole from me. And they all come back, and they plead that Benjamin doesn't have to work for him as his slave. And then we have the best moment, the reconciliation of it all, which is where they, they come and... Uh, and they're pleading for Benjamin's life, and they're saying, I'll, I think as Judah says, I'll take his place. I'll become the slave. And he, he just he can't keep it anymore. So he just he pushes everyone out, and he says, everyone go, everyone go, apart from these people. And he starts weeping. He says, it's me, it's me, it's me. And the whole thing is restored and recovered, and they go and live in Egypt. Okay? What I want you to see is, Can we have the next slide, please? Is this. Right at the end of Genesis, there's this verse where Jacob has died and they've come to Joseph because they're worried that they're gonna, he's going to treat them harshly now that his dad has died. And they say, and he says to them, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And through grace, God transforms something that started in jealousy and hate to save a nation, to save an entire people. 
He tra- grace is transformative. Law cannot transform. Okay? But grace is scary because it takes trust. <laughs> grace says, I can't control you. I can't control Mike and make him do what I want to do and lay down the rules. I have to trust that something is working in his life and that while I'm alongside him as well, helping him, something good is going to happen. It's a scary thing, right? I've got having kids and you think and you and you make these rules and you want to stick by them and they're good things right rules are good but at the same time i have to let them be <laughs> who they are i can't just control them into these tight robots that become that just do do what mum and dad say although that would be nice sometimes right i have to let them on let them go so grace transforms it doesn't um uh, yeah, it doesn't control. Grace doesn't control. And Jesus is a man of grace and peace. And that's what we have to live in, right? We have to know that. We have to have that deep in us. Even though we still go on to the law thing, we have to have the grace in us. So, next. Grace is a mystery. In fact, grace is. Okay? Grace is. You can't do anything about it. You, right? You, <laughs> right? You can't, you can't do anything about it. You just have to accept it or not accept it. I can choose to believe that the whole thing is on my side... God is for me, what can be against me? Well, that means the whole thing must be for me. Right? So I can either decide to trust in that and go, okay, this is where I'm going to step out and I'm going to believe that all creation is crying out for me to be revealed. Or I can say, no, God works in these four walls with these people at this time on a Sunday and this is the moment, and out there is scary and bad. And it can be scary and bad. But it's all working out its salvation to come to something greater, right? In the end, it's all good. Heaven and earth become one. Heaven comes down to earth. Yeah? That's where we're going. We're not trying to just survive and go. We're trying to bring something here, be revealed here. Okay, and we just have to kind of live with that. You can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The law says you have to do something. Grace says, hmm, (laughs) you can accept me or not, but I'm right here for you. Next. Grace transforms. We've already seen that. Jealousy saved a nation. Next. Grace allows you to be not do. The law is all about doing. It's all about meet the criteria, do the things that I say, do them in the right way, and everything will be fine. You have to be a human doing rather than a human being. Do you remember when God calls um, Moses and he says, come and meet me on Mount Sinai? And then he adds, and be there. He doesn't need to add and be there. 
but he does need to add it because they're coming out of this slave mentality, right? Where all of their worth is in what I do rather than who I am. And so he has to say, and be there, you know? The, we live in a culture where <clears throat> you try your hardest to get to the top of the mountain, right? And you wear the right things and you say the right things and you flex your muscles and you throw your punches and you work as hard as you can and there are lots of people that get to the top of the mountain where there is nothing else to do and they realize I have no idea how to be. It has to, what I do has to come out of how to be, who I am. Otherwise, all I'm going to do is strive and when I get to where I want to be, I'm going to have missed the whole journey because I won't have been aware of what is happening around me, and I won't know what to do when I get to the top. So I won't, I won't stay there. I won't stay where I'm meant to be. I'll drop down because I don't know how this works. I'll realize, oh, everything I had was already mine right now. Remember at the end of the prodigal son, and the father says to the older son, I am always with you, and everything I have is yours. That it's all already, grace says it's all already yours. You just have to stop, become aware, and accept it. And that is tricky. <laughs> that is tricky, but that is what we are called to do. I thought what Phil said this morning for anyone who's at Cafe Church about, you were talking about family at the beginning but you can always be working for the breakthrough you can always be working for the next thing we could we could always be working for oh we've got to get all the money for the building we've got to get all of this stuff sorted and we've got to and yeah it's good to have a vision but what happens if we miss what's going on right here right now births of babies <laughs> which is awesome you know there's awesome stuff happening. People becoming Christians on the end of a telephone. We could be so focused in on something that we miss everything. So what I want to do right now is I just want to give us, and I'm wrapping up, landing the plane. I just want to give us a moment to be, and then I want to bless you. And then I'm going to end. Is that all right? Cool. So just stop a minute. Stop doing church for a second. Stop trying to gather everything that I'm saying. Right? <laughs> Anyone ever done that? You thought, I'm going, to, I'm going to get everything. And halfway through you think, I don't know what they're saying anymore. Don't do church. Be church. Okay. Can you play the music? Oh. Thank you. Okay, so Holy Spirit, I just ask you would come right now that you would uh, you would bring us peace at this time that we would become even more aware of your presence right now. Thank you, Jesus.
So I bless you. To know the grace of God in a more immediate way as you go out from this place. I bless you to see the grace of God in your past, in your present, and in all that comes. I bless you to know that it is working in you and around you and through you into every person you meet, every place that you go. And I bless you to know that you have a God who is for you, that you walk around in a world that is for you, in a creation that is waiting for you to be you. That being is enough. And everybody said, Amen. Wow, it's amazing.